Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life Hacks for Working Moms, the podcast that helps you overcome the overwhelm, embrace the chaos, and cultivate a life you love. My name is Megan Strand, and I'm so glad you've tuned in today. No matter where you live in the world, it is possible that sometime in your life you will experience a natural disaster. Now, out here in the Pacific Northwest, we are most prone to earthquakes. Maybe where you are, it's a hurricane or a tornado, maybe even a bad snowstorm. But my question for you today is, are you ready for that? Do you have what you and your family need to survive if, say, you lost power for three days, four days, a week? What about losing your water supply? Can you say with confidence that you're ready for that? The sad reality is that many of us are not prepared I think I'd categorize myself as semi-prepared, but only because I took a course from Marcy Mains with a company called Preparing Heroes, who, as luck might have it, is my guest today. Welcome, Marcy. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Great to have you here, and I'm excited to dig into this topic. It's something that um, I've definitely learned a lot about through you and through my mother, who is sort of a, 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 I don't know, do you have groupies? Because she might be one of them. (laughs) Perfect. <laughs> um, so talk a little bit about why Why are you talking about this? Why is this important to you? I, I actually have been doing this now. I cannot believe this. I have been teaching emergency preparedness response for uh, over 10 years. Wow. And I got involved with this after Hurricane Katrina, and I just sort of saw um, that some people did that well and some people did not. And I, I was just so intrigued and fascinated by why was that? Why can't we all just do emergencies and disasters? Why can't we do that? Well, that's really what got me started uh, into doing this is is because I wanted to be the one that did it well, and I wanted my community to do it well. And um, so that's why it's really important. I I think that um, that our quality of life after an emergency really depends on our preparedness level. And we can choose that. Right. Uh, we, we can't choose when the earthquake's going to happen. We can't choose that. But what we can choose is how we mentally prepare for that, how we physically prepare for that, so that we can thrive instead of be in a state of survival. I think that that's ultimately what comes down that we have that opportunity to choose thriving um, versus just mere survival. So give me a couple of scenarios that explain or demonstrate why this is so critical. Like I mentioned in the intro, like you could potentially lose power, not for like a day, but for a week. So give me some scenarios that you like to share with people who attend your workshops about what can happen and what they need to be thinking about. I definitely think in the Pacific Northwest. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm assuming that maybe your that your um, your uh, show goes kind of nationwide, but I, I am going to kind of hone in really quickly to the specifically the Pacific Northwest. So don't tune out if you're listening from Nebraska. But um, uh, but particularly we have a heightened, and when I say heightened, I mean heightened alert and awareness that the Cascadia subduction zone earthquake has not erupted since the 1700s. And we have a, a potential for 
a 9.0 earthquake here more than anywhere else in the world. And if you look at everything that's erupted, I mean, Nepal, can we just talk about Nepal? Not even a week ago, Nepal had a devastating earthquake, hundreds of earthquakes, you know, over 100 earthquakes and aftershocks after the initial earthquake. Thousands of people are, are deceased. Um, and so I will tell you that Nepal is not looking at weeks. Nepal is looking at months and years. And one of the things that's, you know, urgent for us is that we actually, and that was a 7.8. Um, our earthquake here that will last will last for over five minutes and be anywhere from um, a seven to a nine point earthquake. Um, and so I think really what we need to do is sit in the energy of, okay, not if, but when. And so one of the questions I like to would pose to everyone who's listening right now, this is kind of the, the scenario I'd like to pose to you is let's say hypothetically, we wish this could happen, but it, it can't. The, the U.S. You know, Department of, of Geo, uh, you know, the USGS, the, the Geological Society, comes out and says, we have a definite that in the next 30 days, the Cascadia subduction zone earthquake will erupt. If that information you know, was available to you, how would, that, how would you feel? what would you immediately do and how would your daily life change in that next 30 days? You know, and a lot of people say, well, I would just leave. Well, yeah, you and other millions of people um, and, and how, you know, and even there's consequences even with that. Um, and so, and I think that, you know, looking at Nepal that just happened six days ago, is it real that that can happen to the, to the Pacific Northwest? Yes. And so is that scenario very true? Could it happen in the next 30 days? You betcha. So that's really why I want to go with that is, you know, the scenario is that the Cascadia subduction zone is not the Loch, Le- <laughs> the Loch Ness monster off the coast um, of Oregon and Washington. It's, it's very real. Um, it is not a, fic- you know, it's not a fictitious, um, uh, you know, oh, well, I wonder if, you know, no, it's very real. And so um, I just taught actually um, this last week um, an earthquake subduction zone uh, seminar. And um, so I really want to maybe, if I can, maybe talk about those, some of those points that I talked about. Because that's really anyone that's kind of listening is, are you really ready for to be living outside of your home because it's unstable? Um, for two or three weeks, um, are you? Do you know how to turn off your natural gas? Um, not only your natural gas, but your neighbors. Uh, you're, you could be very much severely harmed by someone else's negligence. Um, they have a natural gas leak. They don't know how to turn it off. Somebody that smokes in your neighborhood lights a match to light a cigarette, and the next thing you know you know, your, your whole neighborhood's on fire. So I, I want to take just a, a quick step back. And I think, yes, absolutely, we should dive into this stuff. But um, it, it starts to sound overwhelming very quickly. 
So how, I mean, how do you counsel people to kind of ease into doing what they need to do? Like what's first? Is there a framework or a, like a process for thinking through all of this? Like what comes first? Perfect. And the question, the question you asked yourself is the same question I'm going to ask. And I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to put you on the spot, Megan. Great. Um, um, what do you love more than you? My family. Yep. That's where you start is you start with what you love more than yourself. So if you start to get overwhelmed team that's listening to our little, that are listening to our podcast here, you start with looking at who do you love more than you? And you start to, the first thing you want to do is my plan is, and it's free. The nice thing is, is it costs nothing. My plan is I'm going to teach my family how to reunify and how to meet up or I at least know that they they have tools and strategies for finding safe places to go. Even if they can't be with me, I want them to. I want to teach them where are those safe places to go. Ultimately, that's where you start. Is you start with the people that you love more than you, and where are they going to go? Do you want me to kind of answer that question? Yeah, give us to- give us some things because I'm okay. thinking. Okay, your kids are probably in school. Maybe they're with you. Maybe they're not. But assuming they're not with you, what what are you advising them to do or look for? Yes. Okay. So the first thing I want to put out there to the group is that you want to find a safe house partner, and you need your kids, your family, everybody to know about that safe house partner. And that safe house partner is someone that's just within walking distance from your home. So it could be several miles. Um, It could be a friend that lives a bit of a distance. But a safe house partner is someone that is without the need of communication, and this is the key, without the need of communication, will go to your home and will check on your kids, your pets, your home, turn off your gas, turn off your electricity, um, do the things that are necessary that you know that no matter what. So let's say, Megan, you and I were safe house partners. If something were to happen, you and I would know that no matter what, I know that Megan's coming over to my house and that she would take care of my four kids if if I just happened to not be there, or she would take care of whoever was there. But then, Megan, you would know that no matter what, as soon as I could, I would get to your house and I would check on your kids, your husband, your pets, and you would know and have confidence that I would take care of them. That is the number one absolute safeguard that you can have is knowing that there is someone else that in your absence will come without the need of communication. Safe health partner. Okay. The other, the other thing um, that I, and it's amazing how, when I, when I travel across the country, how few people actually have that in place. I don't have that in place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the key is, is like, we all have neighbors that we love and we weigh that. But it's that key of that, that communication that happens in advance. The other thing along with a safe house partner also is that you show each other where your emergency supplies are. Where's your gas shutoff valve? Where's your fire extinguishers in your home? So if they walk in and your kitchen's on fire, they don't need to be re- I mean, because anyone knows how to, when you put out a fire, you have seconds, not minutes, before it gets out of control. And so you need to be able to know where are those fire extinguishers in the home so that I can grab that and I can put that kitchen fire out so that it doesn't then become a major 
major fire in the neighborhood or for your home. Anything like that, those kind of simple little things. But it's all about being prearranged. That, that's, that's the key. And that's where I think Americans, we kind of fall short a little bit. But we all think, oh, well, of course my friend will come. I think anyways, I haven't really told her to, <laughs> but I'm sure she would. You know, we like love each other, but we haven't communicated about it. So that's the key to the safe health partner. That's where you start. Now, my next question to you, Megan, is, again, with my little friends, you know, our friends that get overwhelmed. My next thing is, what is the most important thing we need to have in order to stay alive? That would be water. Brilliant. That is brilliant, Megan. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> so anyone that is struggling with with where do I start, you start with your who you love more than yourself, then you look at water. One is free, one costs a little bit. Okay. So quickly with water, if you if you work outside the home, I always recommend you carry a filter system, you carry a water bottle with a filter system. So really in the Pacific Northwest particularly, and really all of parts of the country, there's water pretty much everywhere. Maybe in Arizona or you know, some places, you know, you might struggle finding, you know, um, handy water. Right. You know, like this along the freeway or whatever. But really in most places, there's lakes and streams and things. But if you have water, you have agency. You can choose to go where you want to go rather than be determined by where water is. Most people leave and evacuate or are forced to make extreme choices when they run out of water. So if you work outside the home, if all these ladies that are working and, and, and their husbands are working, everybody go out and buy a water filter. I do always recommend a Seychelles water filter, um, but I, I don't, I've also, I'm just happy for you to get something. Um, and you just carry that with you at all times. Carry with you at all times. I mean, most of us carry around a little day backpack or a lot of people, you know, I have a lot of folks that, you know, especially in Portland area um, that say, oh, well, I take the max or I take the bus. Well, anybody that takes the max and the bus always has a day bag, right. um, a backpack. Throw in a water bottle. It doesn't have to be necessarily full because that can get annoying and the water can get a little bit stale. But having that option that you can go to any water source, even if it was the Willamette, <laughs> and getting some water, right, and having a filter that you have fresh water um, is really critical and key. The other thing I recommend with water is the Daytrex water pouches. You can mm, get those yep. online. You can, um, I'm going to do a quick plug. You can get those at, um, at simplesafety.com here in Vancouver, Washington. Great website. Um, and so... Um, but, uh, definitely those water pouches are really good. They last for five plus years. Keep them in your car, your emergency kits. I love those. Um, and then the next thing is then is water in the home. And here's what I recommend just really quickly in the short time that we have together is going and getting those polycarbonate water containers, kind of like what you see from the water dispensing machines and like doctor's offices, they're all over the place. They're all over. You can buy them online. You can buy them in the stores. You know, look for the number seven. Look for the polycarbonate. But they last for five years. So you put water in them. And, and so what I recommend is two five-gallon bottles per person in your household. So, Megan, how many people are in your household? Four, plus the dog. 
Can't forget the dog. Plus the dog, yes. And you've got to remember the dog. So if you've got four, so you would just go to the store and you'd buy eight polycarbonate um, water containers. And you Guess what, Marcy? I already have them. See, that's what I say. I'm semi-prepared. I already have my polycarbonate because I went to the seminar. Awesome. See, now... <laughs> Everyone, Nathan did it, so you Woo-hoo, go do it. It's not that hard. <laughs> you know what's hard, though, is remembering to refill them every year. <laughs> well, and you don't have to, really, every five. Okay, every, every five. five. Years, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'm just so, thinking we just um, moved, so I was like, we had to empty them to move, so then we had to refill them. So, yeah, so, what, um, so that's kind of, if you're asking, you know, where do you start, I will say one other quick thing is people always ask me, where do I start? And you, having attended my classes before, would probably know the answer to this. But because of time, I'm just going to say, you start in your vehicle. You start preparing in your vehicle because typically your vehicle is parked at your house. It's parked at the soccer field. It's parked at the shopping, at the grocery store. It's parked at your work. Um, If you are a driving person, I always recommend you start getting emergency supplies and putting them in your vehicle. And again, I don't mean to keep plugging simple safety, but in the Pacific Northwest, that's really where I would recommend people go, is you can buy vehicle kits and you can buy supplies that will last in your vehicle for up to five years. And they're just super cute little experts on helping people either put together like a family kit or an individual like commuter kit. So what all goes into a car kit, assuming, let's say you're going to make it yourself. What all goes into a car kit outside of water and or water filter? Yeah, water, water filter, um, food. The Daytrex food is, I highly recommend that because, again, it lasts for five years. One of the things that I'm really plugging, um, and it's because I just, I had an experience, is. In my training, sometimes I tend to just brush over first aid, mm. but I really need to express the that the first aid, if you think you have enough first aid, I want you to double it hmm. because you are going to be your own paramedic or you're going to be your the paramedic for the people in your car or you're going to be the paramedic for something for somebody else, and you will be amazed at how quickly your first aid will go really dealing with someone with a major injury or a major cut. When you say double it, do you mean just like double everything that's in it or get a more robust first aid kit? Because they definitely run the gamut from like a couple of Band-Aids and some Neosporin to some pretty serious stuff. So that's a really good question, Megan. Um, what I would suggest, and it's really the standard thumb, rule of thumb is you get all of the, you get as much first aid as you're, as you feel comfortable as administering. Um, and so obviously if you are a doctor, a nurse, a paramedic, da, 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 um, you may be way more, you know, feel confident carrying some, you know, even some um, things to, to maybe put in some stitches or, you know, um, something like that. But you definitely, you know, if you know how to set a leg or, or secure a neck, or, you know, if you've had any kind of first aid training at all, you buy that amount of first aid. Um, and, and then that's, that's what I mean by double it. So, and the rest of us just you know, get a bunch of bandages. Yeah. So, if you, I mean, the typical mom, we pretty much know how to do, you know, we know how to do a lot. And, and but you'll, the thing is, is what we don't want to do is run out. Right. And so, um, I just, and because of time, I won't go on and on, but I had an incident at my own house the other day where I just, I can't even begin to express to you how grateful I was 
that I had emergency first aid on hand when my husband just um, really cut himself. And it was, I mean, I had to immediately act. I had to immediately respond. And my kids knew what to do. I mean, I'm like, go get the God, you know, this type of God and this, that, you know, it was like, they, they knew what to do where everything was to help my husband. So that's really critical to any kid, your children, they need to know where the first aid is as well because you may be the one hurt and you may be the one telling them, go get the first aid kit. And you don't want them to say, but I don't know where it is. Yeah. Yeah. So is storing it in your car, I mean, it's uh, obviously it sounds ideal to have multiple first aid kits. But... Multiple first aid kits are just a really big, yeah, barring that. So first aid. The other thing I really recommend is light sticks. I don't typically recommend flashlights or anything with the battery in, in cars because they corrode so fast. Light sticks will last five to seven years in your car. Um, Just like little glow light sticks? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the little glow light sticks. You can get them in this car. Again, you can get them at Simple Safety. But I really recommend people getting a green and red light stick. Red for flares um, and green are very bright. They're the brightest glowing. Green is the brightest glowing um, light stick you can buy. They're the Hmm. two most popular colors, green and red. Interesting. Um, and then the other thing that's really critical, and this is pretty a simple thing, um, and again, typically I hope it doesn't cost anyone extra, but shoes. Putting, putting pairs of shoes or boots in your car. Mm. Um, if, if you had to walk somewhere and it rains a lot, you're going to be really happy you have an extra pair of shoes and socks. Um, the other thing are, and <laughs> shoes and socks just and again it's just stuff you can kind of grab that's maybe a little bit maybe worn out and you don't wear them anymore you, you know rather give it to maybe the goodwill just throw it in your your car for emergencies um and the last thing i would say is something for heat um getting those mylar blankets those are actually very real and very functional pieces of equipment they're there are those, you know, those space blankets, people call them. Just really recommend that. And also stuff for sanitation. If you're in a situation where your car is your shelter and the safest thing is for you to stay in your car and not kind of get out and mingle with everybody else, mm. you're going to be really happy that you can go to the bathroom and stay in your car. So getting those biohazard waste bags are really, really important. They're so inexpensive. They're 15 cents a piece. I mean, they're, they're cents. Um, but again, buy a roll of 50 and, uh, leave, you know, leave those in your car and, and men and women, children, adults, if this, if, if staying in your car and staying safe is the better option, you're going to be very grateful that you have, uh, waste bags, uh, in your car, um, so that, you're not having to kind of go out and either go to the bathroom amongst a group of people. You could be caught in a gridlock. You could be in traffic, whatever. And, you know, if you have to leave your car, go quite a distance to get privacy or, you know, whatever, um, you'd just be really happy that you have the option to go to the bathroom either in or very near your car. Yeah. 
Wow, all these things that you don't think about until you talk to Marcy. <laughs> this is really, really fantastic stuff. We, we unfortunately have already come to the end of our time, but I know you have great resources and you have good resources online. So if people want to, I think they've been, they've been teased a little bit and are probably thinking a little bit harder after hearing this episode. But if people want to find out more about disaster preparedness and you and your seminars, how might they do that online? So they can go to my website, which is uh, preparingheroes.org, and the information about our seminars, some other things. The also, too, is that please, you're super welcome to email me directly. My, my, my company email is, is on the website as well. Um, you can contact me with, with questions um, if this has spurred your question. I, I certainly recommend that you know, we can talk in theory, but if you don't have water, then you're not prepared. I certainly recommend you going to the simplesafety.com website that's here in Vancouver, um, contacting them, and especially after Nepal, let that ride that wave. Yeah, good advice. Get, get on, get on that right now. Don't, don't, don't let that just. Oh well, that was oh those poor people in Nepal. I wish. So glad it wasn't us and move on with your life. No Pacific Northwest friends, it is us. Uh, and it's, if you can sit in that energy, then it does cause you to act. Not react, but act. Um, so those are the resources. Another resource I do want to recommend to people, obviously, is FEMA. It's very good. Um, the Red Cross um, is, is good as well. And there's another source, too. It's called Flash.org. And I love Flash.org because they have wonderful um, videos, very interactive, very fun, very engaging videos about emergency preparedness. They're a minute or two in length, but on all different types of varieties of either preparing for an earthquake, tornado, flooding, um, and they're just really, uh, just really short, sweet, and to the point. Definitely recommend Flash.org. Excellent. Thank you so much. And we will put all of that in the show notes, which you can find at LH, the number four WM.com or just lifehacksforworkingmoms.com. And of course you can find this podcast on iTunes. I do recommend you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And on behalf of Marcy and myself, I'd like to thank you for joining us today and be safe and be prepared. And I'll talk to you next time. 